should, I should not make make weird faces into the camera when we're now recording video, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of becoming acutely aware that I pull faces every so often um, after. Yeah, but the if last you don't think about them, then it's fine. Like then it's cool. Then it's yeah. uh, like cool YouTube sty YouTuber style or cool podcaster style. <laughs> but if you think about it too much, then it gets <laughs> it gets problematic because you're then always in your head. So don't think about how you look like. Don't mm -hmm. think about how you sound like. That's very important. And also, don't yeah. think about breathing. So don't think. <sighs> basically yeah that's hard to do but yeah we're gonna try yeah um yeah, it's I'll fantastic it to see you again you too mate how are you i'm good i i like our weekly schedule mm -hmm. i was at the beginning I was at the beginning i was a bit afraid that it might be too much either from from just the amount of time that we use up yep. uh, but also from just like do we have enough to, enough like things to tell tell each other and talk about? But I'm feeling like it's actually getting better just because if we have this very like every week um, we have this little chat and it's just nice. So I'm I'm liking yeah. this. I, I would like to yeah, continue likewise. this. We I mean we catch up with each other through messages and things through the weeks anyway in between. Um, so it feels pretty natural to just catch up, right? I mean that's yeah. that's one of the beauties of having you as a co-host with with the show is like we are actually friends outside of the show that's yeah. how it started we're so not like that... these these show hosts that don't talk outside outside of the show <laughs> yeah. all business not no yeah. um we can't can't have any content no um that's kind of cool because it does give us a bit of insight into stuff we might talk about as well i mean you you know yeah. some of the stuff i've been up to in between and, and vice versa so that yeah I think that helps us but so uh, yeah how are you yeah. doing I'm good. I'm good. This is the uh, this is going to be the second version of the show in video that's going to mm -hmm. be hitting um, YouTube and, and various other bits of social media eventually as we sort of get those things going. Um, but yeah, when we recorded last week, I messed up on the um, the service we use, so we're using Riverside to record this show, and um, it didn't record the video on Riverside. <laughs> Double check now. Double check now. Is it recording the uh, the video uh, now? As far as I can tell, yes. Is that is that okay? It says so. The user interface, like next to my name and to yours as well, it has a little camera icon and a little microphone icon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe it should so. be. I mean, the thing is, is we also record locally as a backup, right? So yeah. I was able to drag everything into um, DaVinci Resolve for last week's show um, and bring that all together. The only thing that pains me a bit is is we might see some formatting differences because Riverside will give one sort of output that's probably not going to be the same as uh, DaVinci's. But yeah. I think viewers uh, can forgive us a little bit of, um, of, of of a bumpy start, if you like, I hope. And um, obviously listeners <laughs> won't see any difference here. Yeah. <laughs> you won't see any difference. Um, no, we will, like listeners it will just continue as always please honk your horn twice right now if you're on your way to work and you want to support waiting for a review um, <laughs> and um yeah we need the intro hey wait, welcome to waiting for review a show about the majestic indie developer lifestyle join our scintillating hosts dave and daniel and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives 
Join us while waiting for a review. Hey. <laughs> and also, and also we've kind of normalized our microphone distances so yeah. that we're both about the same distance away from our respective microphones. So our levels are, are better. We're getting really professional. We're getting there. We're getting there. Although I'm going to gradually start speaking louder than you'll just to, to play you off. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I want to hear from you. So that's, that's perfect. So yeah. Cool. Uh, speak as, as loudly as you, as you want. I think that's the thing, right, is I, I often, um, when I'm recording, the rest of the house is asleep, right, because we'll mm -hmm. record on a morning my time relatively early so I can fit it in before work. And, um, yeah, so I think I've been kind of talking quieter because I don't want to wake anybody up. But really, I'm pretty soundproofed in this room and I need to kind of just talk and project yeah. and, 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 you know, do what the show needs. Um so that's fine. But but also, Riverside um, that we're using should uh, balance things a bit for us and do a bunch of that as well. So sounds like a commercial for the service we're using, the amount of times I'm referencing it. But, but the <laughs> the point here, and, and this might be relevant to listeners of the show, really, is that we're trying this thing where we're doing this every week, uh, but we have limited time to begin with right that's something we talk about a lot is like you know as an indie developer who also has a day job as somebody who's running a business for you daniel and you've got all these demands of your time um the idea of sitting down and spending all evening editing the show is like i don't have that time to be honest with you um so riverside service having a lot of automated things for this and you know at a price of course uh, is something we're trying because that will then mean we can kind of just point and click, right? It normalizes the audio. It does X, Y, and Z to give us the video output so with both our streams together and all of that. It should be relatively point and click. I think we'll find the edges to that here and there. Um, but this is one of those situations where I've kind of looked at it and gone, yeah, I can do all of this. I can do all the edit, all of the bits. Um, but should I? Yeah. Right. And, 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 um, so we're, we're just trying, trying it out to see if it gives us what we're after here, which is the ability to just get on and record, provide the show, um, and for it to not eat too much indie dev time and, and other things. Um, so yeah, hopefully it all kind of comes out in the, in the wash as it were. Yeah. And that's really good. Um, so yeah. You tell us, uh, write us at yep. contact at waitingforreview.com and or on our socials. I'm going to read those at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, can I tell you mm -hmm. about that, about the fact that my servers were broken again? <laughs> and so yeah, go on then. I have finally, like speaking of, speaking of, um, of like offloading work, I finally in earnest began the search for a system administrator and or DevOps person. Right. Um, probably just um, not full-time because I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've actually spoken to a friend yesterday and he says, oh yeah, I know someone. And so I'm going to, like, he's going to connect you, connect me to a friend of his and I'm going to talk to that person on the phone tomorrow, no, Friday, in two days. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. Hopefully, maybe that person can then help me help me run the servers better without uh, breaking so much, so many things. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, 
<laughs> Do you want to talk a life. bit about what 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 happened at all, or is this kind of like a it happened, it sorted, let's not go there? Um, actually, I do want to talk about it. Okay, so this is about thorny data. We talked about thorny data before, uh, yep. ten shows ago, maybe I don't know, mm-hmm. ten fifteen shows ago. Uh, if you search for thorny, you will definitely find it. So the original problem was this that sometimes our cleanup processes on our special database, we use a special database that's called Apache Druid, and that's a time series database specifically for analytics data that is highly clustered and that will move data around in so-called segments. And then it will also defrag those segments. It's not calling that, but it's basically defragmentation. Like your old hard drive, and you could just watch the 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 hard drive get more cleaned up and and better yeah. uses its space better and stuff like that and it turns out that sometimes and for, unpredictably for me that defragmentation process would destroy individual segments in a way that they would still um, be marked as oh yeah they're downloaded to the individual servers of the cluster but then the individual servers of the cluster would be like um no i have never heard of that segment so i'm just gonna throw <laughs> a big fat exception that will just crash the whole query and so the first thing that I did is actually um, add automated tests that actually will tell me, uh, will uh, periodically actually check if this error is occurring and then immediately uh, just ping my phone mm-hmm. through our existing um, incident reporting software, which uh, yeah. I should have done a long time ago, but I didn't think that would recur that error. Yeah. But it did recur, and while I was trying to fix it, it w- actually got worse and worse. And the problem is with the amount of data that we have now, everything that I try, I just need to wait about between 20 minutes and 70, 80 minutes for anything, like to see if anything works or not. Mm-hmm. And so that means that, <laughs> that, that, so that it means that the repairing process just took a long time because I, I needed to just diagnose the problem. Yep. And so I was very much just like grabbing things in the dark and just trying to get a tiny idea of where I am, what is in my hand right now, what am I, oh, what no. am I finding? Um, and yeah, and that's just, that just took a long time. So if I had the fantastic idea to not just do this blindly, but to actually sh- uh, like have a very detailed diary in notion like so we use notion in telemetry inside telemetry a lot for any any textual thing that will be shared between me and lisa or um also between uh, us and marina or texter mm-hmm. um and so yeah so i was like okay i have i have actually a like a folder in there that's called azure and then a few folders subfolders for the different service that we host on azure so i was like i'm just gonna like at the correct position, I'm going to make a new document, document, I'm just going to document everything that I do with like everything that I try, uh, like copy all the error message in, messages in there yeah. in, in case they're ephemeral and just are gone after a while. And so I can like, I also circle back, see what I've tried, maybe actually look at them with fresh eyes after a while and maybe find something else. And that yeah. really, really paid off. Usually I don't do this because I can keep all of the things that I work on in my head, but just with these long waiting periods where I'm trying to in between fill my time with something sensible, because otherwise I just feel like I'm just like sitting for an hour in front of the computer, getting very frustrated because of course, um, I feel that, oh yeah, people are actually trying to use telemetry deck and maybe some things are not working. So I want to do something. So I kind of wanted to, uh, yeah, just like writing things down. Also like writing down the plan. So I'm the plan as in, 
I'm going to try these three things in order. And then the first thing starts and I can just like move to a different virtual screen, maybe answer some emails or try mm -hmm. to work some stuff, work on something else. And then it, it, after an hour, it dings and I can be like, okay, this is, this failed in this interesting way. So I'm going to try thing number two or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yep. um, I finally tracked down the problem, the solution after about, I want to say one and a half weeks of work was the following. I had updated to a new version of Apache Druid, which supports, um, I want to say nullable values. Uh, so previously, uh, like numerical values would always be either a number or minus infinity, for example, if the number is not there or zero, mm -hmm. if the number is not there. And now that number can actually be null as in non or nil. Yeah. The concept of nothing. Right. And they do, they have done that to be more compatible with uh, normal SQL like databases. Uh, right. And so uh, other things like strings, for example, also can be null, whereas previously they would be the empty string. Mm -hmm. And so now the thing is, keep this in mind, um, we last year, uh, one and a half years ago, we updated the telemetry deck ingestion API to version two. So all new, all the, all new versions of the telemetry deck SDK are posting to API version two, but version one had a very peculiar way of handling metadata that yeah. was peculiar in order to be a, be compatible with, uh, with the version of Apache Druid that was current back then, which mm -hmm. is that all the metadata technically wasn't saved as a dictionary. It would be saved as an array of strings with key and value separated by a colon character. Ooh. And yeah, this <laughs> worked. This worked um, most of the time for filters and whatever, like you, you would translate on the server and everything. And then once that limitation of Apache Druid went away um, because uh, we can now just use normal dictionaries. Uh, we kind of moved to that and also had various steps inside the API to translate from um, like the sort of new API just takes, takes a dictionary. The old API now takes the list of strings, but also does the thing where it just like cuts, oh, cuts, uh, cuts apart the string at the colon character. Yep. And then just you build a dictionary out of that. Turns out there's one app. I'm not going to name it. Of course, they would be <laughs> really bad, but it's a very tiny app. Uh, it has a bunch of users, maybe like in the, in the tens, not even hundreds, mm -hmm. in the tens. And somehow the author of that app made a mistake where they are sending a very, very, very long string that looks like a debugging information that yeah. ends in a colon and has nothing huh. after the colon. Oh, and uh, okay. our, yeah, our string splitting algorithm uh, treats that as a very long key in the dictionary and then yep. a empty string as the value. And that used to work perfectly. So that was stored in all the, like that was just inside our data. Mm -hmm. uh, and those turn out to be thorns because hmm. that new version, that new version of Apache Druid um, does not know, is this a null value because it's an empty string or what is going on here? Yep. So, yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so whenever the, the defragmentation process that is running is touching one of those segments, it can read it and then it will finish writing it, but they will somehow fail while writing it in a very destructive way. And so the segment just, just doesn't exist and can't be really moved around, but the main, 
orchestrator servers think it, it still exists. And so that is the origin of the thorny segments. Ooh. And I have to I have to ask Daniel, that wasn't one of my apps, was it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to stress that this is not uh this is no shame or shade on the author mm -hmm. of that app. That is actually I'm very happy that this app exists because it has um it has uh, like helped help me find a flaw in our systems. So the yep. fault here is my fault because I didn't secure or, or write this code well enough that it could uh, that it could find this. Um, yeah. yeah, never never shame like especially I'm 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 very sure that this app is just a labor of love for people, and so I'm never I'm never I never want to shame that person for anything. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the configuration for uh this cleanup process also allows you to filter data so right now i'm just filtering out i'm just filtering out that app like this is a, this is there's just a filter that says oh if, if the app idea is id is something something then just do not do not uh, write that data back into the data set which is kind of unfair to that person mm -hmm. um but this is this has fixed the problem for now yep and um, I actually like on the side. I've been writing a a little Python script that will go through the um, through the cold storage data, which is just JSON files on disk, basically, and fix the dictionaries there and just like delete everything that has an empty value in the key yep. value pair because it's not you, you're not you'll you'll not be able to filter against it anyway, and just database wise, the result will be the same if you filter against an empty string versus against a null value. So yep. Actually, no data gets lost here. Just the just that the format of the data will be correct again, and then mm -hmm. I can replay that, and then the person will have their data their data back. But um, yeah. Yeah. so eventually, it will get sorted, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the long and thorny saga wow. of I the mean... thorny data. Um, the thing is, though, that 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 um, little research journal that I started inside my Notion app was so incredibly helpful. Like I have. I have in there, I have like, like screenshots of various mm -hmm. charts where like data is missing, whatever I have error messages. I have like JSON configuration files and I have lots of comments to myself. And if I've, I found that I'm actually kind of funny, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, kind of like, okay, I'm, this is really frustrating, but I'm going to write it down. And that actually helped me think about it. And like, I, like I found myself at one point, I was like, kind of like, making this funny for uh, and be like okay if i look at this again in a year then i'm gonna smirk a little bit because i'm like oh, yeah. okay <laughs> i feel you fast daniel there's something that's occurring to me here daniel is that it won't be you looking at it though if you're hiring a, a devops person uh to work part-time on this stuff right these these notes are going to be kind of they're uh attached to probably a task that they they take a look at oh yeah that's also possible yeah um and i think i'd appreciate I, I myself would appreciate vaguely humorous notes as much as, <laughs> as anything else right um yeah but i think that's the thing right is this is a good example of like um yeah leaving breadcrumbs for your future self or yeah. the person that you hand over to um we we have the same in, in code as well and and i have this in my projects where i put to do's and i'm trying to get better about leaving myself sort of meaningful comments because what you're really doing um here i think more than anything else is like it takes effort 
to get into the headspace and to get into the context and doing these things then makes reduces that that bar of mm, yeah. bar of entry back into the headspace because you'll put it down you'll forget about it you'll do other things other things take priority all of this sort of stuff can help give give context um but it it has to be meaningful meaningful enough it doesn't you don't really benefit anybody by copying war and peace into their yeah. light. So I think there is, there's a bit of an art to good, good notes for that sort of stuff. Yeah. I've never like, huh, I haven't, I haven't done that kind of um, notes before. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because what I sometimes did or, or do is like handwritten notes, but yep. those have kind of a limit on how, verbose they can be because i can type way faster than i can write and also yes. i can't copy paste error messages or config files or whatever into a handwritten note and so these are a bit more verbose but you can also like kind of fold the long um the long um error messages so it's kind of easy to read yep. and it is actually super super helpful so usually what i do is i, I document what i'm writing working on in tickets and source code comments and like doc strings what are mm -hmm. doc strings called in Swift? Are they called doc know. strings? Doc strings is a, a Python Python thing, but you know what I mean, like the three slashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you describe yeah. what the thing does. Um, and so I write a lot of that, uh, also to help me think and to, to kind of like build up everything. And but with server admin stuff, I just didn't have the the things that I needed. So and th I think this is a good strategy. <clears throat> Apologies. I think this is a good strategy for for working with these kinds of kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you're reminding me a little bit of some of my old old career, actually, where I was working with with data quite mm -hmm. a bit um, for analytics. So most of the time, I was pulling data together. Um, but every so often, I would have a job to go after something that that was more like a, a like an ETL process as would be described at that point. I don't know if anybody still really uses that language too, too strongly, but um, extract, I mean, transform, load. Yeah. I, I mean, actually the Apache Druid stuff like pretty much adheres to all that. Yeah. It, it sometimes is called differently, but for example, it does use transformations a lot. Yep. And so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's still pretty current in some, yeah, and in I, some I, parts. But at I, least. If I think back to then, like, you know, what I would often have to do at that point is map out what a database was doing map out mm -hmm. what the, the the script that was was pulling this data together was doing um and to be honest with you a lot of that at that point was really more about identifying bottlenecks and um and issues like that as well um but similar to yourself you know it's like it's sort of you've got these long execution times uh to get to the point right um I'm thinking specifically about a job that used to take three days to run that mm -hmm. eventually got it down to, uh, I want to say about an hour um, in execution time after I'd sort of gone through. Similar yeah. to yourself, though, mapping stuff out, tried this, tried that. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's incredibly valuable, really, to, to, to do that, to stop yourself from repeating things as well, because, you know, you end up, three four five days in can't really remember what you did on day one mm -hmm. to try this stuff out yeah i also find or like i'm i was very happy about my strategy of every time something breaks i try to add more infrastructure that mm -hmm. 
prevents that kind of failure or mitigates that kind of failure. Yeah. And so like there's a few uh, like a few layers there as well uh, already so all these problems would have been way worse if actually actual data could have been lost but there's like multiple layers where data that gets that is in flight gets like cached and or just written to um to disk or to storage at like in, in various locations so that they are all safe and that storage is usually um Microsoft Azure blob storage so like that's like that's not a server disk or something so it's kind of safe um yeah and also just like the various monitoring stuff and now i have additional just like, like uh, i have another layer basically and that's actually very helpful also i did already update the api to in, to <laughs> fix that bug <laughs> no it's great it's really great i think it's very it's, it's good to get a bit of, a, of an insight into what goes on behind the scenes um in, yeah. in a product like telemetry deck as well i think sometimes I, I feel like i don't have much idea to sort of the the layers and the, the stacks that it would take to run something like that um and I, I quite appreciate hearing hearing how the sausage is made a little bit daniel as well um it is there's a lot of sausage being shoveled around <laughs> and uh <laughs> and yeah uh, data the, sausages. The, the amount of data at this point is is staggering and would have like if you told me like i don't know five years ago that i would be regularly moving terabytes of data just around like very fearlessly mm -hmm. i would have way higher anxiety levels than i actually do have um but because it's become routine and because also like there's a lot of lots of safety nets um uh, and I've, I, and just because I'm kind of used to the amounts of data, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's cool. Just like, yep, whatever. Data is cheap these days, <laughs> like or storage. <laughs> storage is cheap. Um, CPU time is time is not as cheap, but yeah. Well. Oh. Um, I actually did break uh, another thing on my servers, but I think that should wait for until next episode, just because like it's not the Daniel server show. <laughs> um, that's fine. That's fine. We can talk about that another time. Um, yeah. Absolutely, but uh, I do have a question for you, actually. So uh -oh. a few days ago, no, a few episodes ago, you told me about that very cool landing page for GoVJ Pro that you made. Okay, and yep. uh, you wanted to collect email addresses for a newsletter and just like gauge interest in like how many people would actually be interested in you um, making GoVJ Pro. How's that going? Yes. Like, do you have a um, a midterm review for that? Give me one second. I can give a midterm review quite quite quickly. So, yeah, to just go over the approach, this was a, a web page, single static page, um, and all it has on it is a description of what the app will be, a screenshot, an overview of features and things. The app isn't built, but the, the, the screenshot kind of makes it look like it's already <laughs> there, right? It's pretty well formed. Um, and the main thing about the page is it's got the call to action for signing up to the mailing list to hear about things as it gets developed um, and, and to know when it's ready for for purchase. Um, I put it to two uh, VJ, so that's video jockey, people who play with real-time video. Um, I put it to two Facebook groups orientated to the scene um, and Reddit to one of the main subreddits. Uh, and I have had 36 people 
sign up since putting it out there a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. Uh, most of those are with, within the first uh, sort of week or so of putting those notices out. It's had the, the typical um, peak and then longer tail afterwards. So, so people are right. still finding it. Like every two or three days, I get a new person sign up, which is actually kind of cool. Um, it's not a runaway success. I think I was kind of mentally going, okay, I, I want about 100 people to sign up. And if there's mm -hmm. 100, then I'm going to dive on this immediately. Um, but I don't think 36 is, is uh, bad either, right? right? It's uh, Again, I've not repeatedly hammered this message out there. I've not done loads of engagement tactics to try and push the visibility up, up of this thing or anything like that. Um, so it's very much time in the water. Um, but yeah, I think the things that have been most useful out of all of this, right? Because subscribers is one thing. Subscribers was, was like the metric of, is anybody going to actually go, hey, I'm interested and mm -hmm. put their email address in, right? That's great. But the bit that really struck me, uh, and I can't remember if we've spoken about this before or not. We have spoken about it, but I don't think we spoke about it on the on this show. Um, I found quite a cultural difference between Facebook and Reddit in the type <laughs> of responses I was getting. Right. And I think that that might be interesting to just, just talk about for a second here mm -hmm. is that, so what I found, I posted this to, to Facebook. I don't really maintain a Facebook presence, right? It is literally just about, this is my, my VJ persona. If you like on Facebook, it's not the all of me. It's just me, Dave, who makes a, a video mixing app for iOS. Video Dave. Yeah, 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 video Dave, uh, which I now am for the show. Great. Um, but uh, what I found was that on Facebook, I got quite negative responses from a couple of people. I got kind of sneering uh, reactions of like, oh, you can't use an iPad for that sort of work. You need to use a, you know, a big beefy laptop, a media server, custom built rack mounted PC. And it's like, yeah, you do. If you're doing big, big shows and you're being shipped all around the world to support international band tours and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Of course you mm -hmm. do. You know, you need the kit that's going to match the job. Um, but that's not where my app plays. My app plays to the somewhere between the, the hobbyist and the prosumer kind of end of this. Right. Um, right. And I'm actually quite happy playing in that area because that's that that's often where people are beginning. Mm -hmm. It's often where people are learning how to to sort of play with real time video and, and get into this niche. Um, and what my app does at the moment, the existing GoVJ app, which is just a, a two channel mixer, is it lets anybody who's got an iOS device get started. Right. If you've got an iOS device and you can plug a video out into it or connect to an Apple TV, boom, you can put some basic visuals up behind your friend who's doing his first DJ gig or your Which, your, your which is fantastic. Band. Yeah, and I love that bit of it, right? It's an enabler for people who just want to have a play, just want to get started. And the Pro app represents the next stage of that, right? So, right. okay, you've, you've, you know, you, you want to move up a, a rung. So is is the iPad incapable of of doing what the Pro app needs to do? No, not really. So the, the complaint that I got very specifically back was like, oh, iPads with their their um, 
with the Lightning to HDMI connector, uh, basically encodes your video to H.264. Um, and it makes fine grain things or things with a lot of change look like garbage because of the encoding. Um, which is true, right? The, when, when the Lightning to HDMI connector first came out, so I think we were talking in the early 2010s, somewhere around there, where it, this was a big deal for people trying to do meaningful visual things. Mm -hmm. If you're just watching a film that's got a steady rate of change or whatever on the video out, you won't see too many artifacts or you'll probably forgive it. But a lot of um, real-time video stuff can be like particle effects, small lines, that sort of thing, right? And you really do notice the issue. So they weren't wrong. You know, this used to be a big issue. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that over the years, this has kind of settled down that I think Apple did something with the firmware that that kind of fine-tuned that, that algorithm. Because interjection um, the lightning to hdmi adapter is actually a like not a passive cable or something it is actually right. an active chip inside yes. inside that cable that's why the one of the the ends is kind of very thick uh, yep. because it actually transcodes video live that's using right. the h264 chip that's in there i yep. assume and so, so yeah yeah so I mean, it's, a, very, it's a little computer in a, in a cable basically yeah, and what I assume was happening at that point in time, right? There's a few things in in, in the mix here, but effectively it would be... In the be, mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, effectively, it would be using the hardware encoder on the device to achieve that at high speed, right? And Lightning, I think we would, there's a limitation on the data speed. We're talking sort of USB 2 um, max headrooms, I think. Um, I'd have to look up to be a hundred percent sure, but there were you know, limitations on the format. And so by doing this, you could encode the data. It doesn't use as much bandwidth on the output. So that's easier. Um, and then also you're leveraging the, like I say, something built into the device that can do this encoding very, very quickly. Um, which you know, by the way, is also part of how airplay works, for right. example, right. When you, when you airplay it encodes and sends over the network. Um, so all of that makes sense. And that used to be a, a bit of an issue. It's become less of an issue over time, I think, partly because the devices have sped up as well. So the, the issue of the, the, the encode itself is quicker than it was. So it is now possible to get a higher sort of fidelity, if you like, a, a, a real-time speed off it. And I think, like I say, Apple have tuned the algorithm Um so it's just, it's not something I've had reported to me as an issue. And I've had the app in the store now for since 2015, mm. right? So um, my reaction to that was very much like, yep, this was a thing. It is a lot less of a thing these days, um, you know, not least of which is all the modern iPads have got USB-C. And yeah, I was just going to say, like, actual, like, the iPads these days have USB-C, which has way more bandwidth. Yes, way more bandwidth, and I, as I understand it, the encoding isn't going on in, in the same way. It's a proper digital signal path, um, which is how it achieves that, because we're talking about a universal uh, universal serial bus at USB-C speeds, which means I can plug pretty much any video adapter into it, and it will go and make a, a go of, of using it, right? Anything that Even though got... actually the USB port in iPads these days is, I think, still USB 2 speeds I but that's probably know. enough that's, that's enough for hdmi like hdmi is at max 4k right 
Yeah, I'd need, I'd need to so, double check all of this. I'm, I'm very hazy on a lot of it because it has been a case of it just works, right? Yeah, and yeah. So what you're saying is basically they told you, hey, like the iPad can't do that. And there's like, yeah, the iPad couldn't do that 20, 20, 2008, 20, 2010. But of course, we we that's like 14, things that's have moved. 14 years ago. Yeah, things have moved on. And, and, and uh, you know, so it's a case of like, you're not wrong. And this has been an issue. And it probably still is an issue in certain configurations and the rest mm -hmm. of it. But it's not something that I found problematic with what I've been doing. Um, I've not had any users report any issues in that sense. Um, and like I say, with the USB-C output, we're talking a different game anyway with, with how that works. Um, and yeah, I just got negativity back. But like what I was trying to highlight was that the reaction I got from Facebook was very, um, that'll never work. iPads are not our thing. Right. Mm. Um, if you're not, you know, heading out into the wilds and building up your machine from scratch with parts, then you're not a real VJ in our world sort of thing from some of these guys, right? One or two, you know, but they're very loud. And right. I guess we're, we're talking about a contingent that I would sort of stereotype as being kind of our age and older, right? So in that sort of middle agey kind of bit of things mm. yeah they've been doing their stuff for probably two or three decades i get it they think they know they, they know everything about everything in that world that's fine okay um and the ipad just sort of looks like a toy i guess to them um over on reddit we're talking about a lot more novices a lot more beginners people who are excited to just be playing with the art form and messing around and and having fun um mm -hmm. And the reaction I got there was zero negativity and a load of people asking me if they could beta test it. Right. Very, very different dynamic. Um, and I guess I kind of wasn't, wasn't expecting it. I sort of knew that Reddit and Facebook had different people there, but I didn't realize the dynamic of the, 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 the scene, if you like, was, was kind of split in that right. sense i mean it might also be on top of what you're saying that the people on facebook who mm -hmm. are not only older but also like more deeply into the professional vjing whereas yeah. maybe because reddit has a way like these days no one is on facebook like not, mm -hmm. i say no one is on facebook but you know what i mean whereas on reddit like people like reddit is very active so reddit will have a way larger user base so it will have a better spread of like from amateurs to, to professionals. And so the mm -hmm. people who you are targeting, targeting, which are kind of the prosumers, um, yep. the ones who are probably not building a, a, their own rig for just for, for just VJing, they're probably more going to be more on Reddit, whereas Facebook, the Facebook people might just be like defending their in-group and be like, hey, this is like, I feel yep. less professional just because this thing exists, which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... I guess I call all of this out just to say one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better at over this year is knowing my customers, right? Mm -hmm. and, and actually interacting with people who are using my apps and, um, and getting that feedback loop of, of um, everything from them, you know, UX, things that are tricky, things that they would like to add to it, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and implicitly, I know this to be true, but I've had a long time out of just kind of cranking the lever on updating the app, leaving it to do its thing, 
and you know i'll respond to bug reports of course and try and fix stuff but i've not necessarily been proactive on sort of finding out how people are really using the app and what they're getting out out of it and what i've found certainly since putting out the um the 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 landing page for the pro app it's had a bit of a halo effect on into the the main app where i've had a mm-hmm. couple of people make themselves known as users of the main app as well again this is via reddit um and um to sort of say what they really love about it what they would like more of um and that's helped guide actually a few things for the pro app as well and i've been having a load of these positive conversations off the back of it so it's been more than just putting a page up and seeing who signs up for the mailing list it's actually given me a bit of one-on-one time with people to get direct feedback about what they would oh, like really cool. in the app yeah and and it's um it's real like i don't know virtuous circle kind of stuff right because they tell me that i can improve stuff they feel yeah, acknowledged and loved uh, by somebody who's making the tool they're using uh i've had people i've had somebody in particular send me you know videos of what they do when they're performing using the app ah, very um, cool that was lovely to can you see, publish right? those uh, I, I did. I, I I published a link to one because it was on YouTube, so I can I can link that to our oh, show yeah, notes. Oh yeah, please zoom. Please zoom. Yeah, I haven't, um, seen, I haven't seen it. For me, it was super interesting because the setup this guy had is he's got um, two iPads uh, running their outputs into a hardware video mixer, and then he's using them like if you can imagine this, it's like. Um, CD decks. Do you remember mm-hmm. CDJs and <laughs> DJs DJing? Two CD decks, a you know audio mixer in the middle. Um, he's got the video version of that mm-hmm. kind of going on, right? There's two two iPads providing two two outputs of video, and obviously within my app, they're then able to mix two channels in the app as well. So he's right. got a four channel mixer set up based off this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. It also shows that he can use your app. Even though it is aimed at amateurs or entry level entry level people, mm-hmm. and use it in a more professional way by ad, by adding by building on top of it, which is really cool. Yeah. What you yeah, should yeah. really do is for the launch of GoVJ Pro, mm-hmm. um, you should do it Apple style, where you find like the biggest VJ artist in the world. I I don't know who that is, but find them and like ask them. <laughs> you need to make them perform using just GoVJ Pro and an iPad. Yeah. And then like, yeah. it's also sponsored by Apple because it shows the power of the iPad Pro with the M4 chip. And, yeah, I can, I can see there? it before yeah. me. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, there's, a, there's a version of that for sure that, that's probably going to be worth me doing. Um, definitely you know, canvassing for people who are using this in the wild. As, as the beta testing goes on, I think that will become more clear, right, mm-hmm. in terms of I'll, I'll be able to uh shout about what i'm doing on the socials a bit more that's probably going to have some of these point, points of interaction like i've had already um i'm probably going to put more effort into being present on reddit than facebook <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but you know i'm not i'm also not going to stop putting stuff out there to areas just because one or two people have been a bit uh down in the mouth about what they see right it's like okay it's not for you that's fine and and you know, this happens all the time for us as well from an iOS perspective, you know, is that if you're only doing iOS apps, you get people asking for the Android version and there's there's always somebody going to feel left out or not included or not represented by what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, my typical response these days is to be quite thick skinned and kind of just sort of say, well, you're just not my customer. I'm sorry. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that was kind of the case for me with, uh, with that particular guy. It's like, yep, that's fine. You, you do you. Um, I don't actually need to get into a protracted internet battle talking about how iPads work or don't work here. Um, yeah. But I know. mean, it, it kind of gets towards that. At yeah. the beginning, when you just have 5, 10, 20 users, of course, every single thing that every single user says is very important to you and you want to make them all happy. But mm -hmm. once you have a have a bigger user base, you can way easier, easier like way more easily say that, hey, sorry, but yeah, you're not my customer. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, we, we can't serve you because we don't have what you need, which is yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 but I think there's a way of transitioning to that that I've probably done without realizing over mm -hmm. the years, over time, right? You know, yeah, I'm in that mode now. If you went back to 2015, Dave, who just put the app in the app store, it's his first app. Everything was pivotal, right? This, that, mm -hmm. a response like that would probably have killed me at the time in terms of putting <laughs> the app out. You yeah. know, I would have been like, oh, stuff it. I better pack up then. This is never going to work, you know? And, um, so there's a, there's maybe there's something within this for, for listeners of the show, just in a sense of, um, yeah, you're going to get these people, you're going to get these reactions at times. And, um, you kind of just have to let it bounce off you like taking, mm -hmm. taking any of the, the facts of what they're saying, you know, especially if it's reporting a bug in your app or something like that, for sure. Try and take some of the emotion out of it because it, it really is just somebody's opinion a lot of the time as well. Right. Right. And certainly when you're, you're, you're not, when you're talking about this sort of thing and not a literal bug in the app, it is, it's opinion based as much as anything else. This guy doesn't really think iPads should be used for this sort of job. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. And, uh, and also building on top of that, I have a, I have a similar, but slightly different thing where, um, people who love telemetry, like will, will ask for many features and, 90% of them right now are kind of languishing, languishing in the, in the ticket issue tracker. And it's yes. not because I don't want to build them. It's just like, because I have to prioritize the time that I, that I work on or the things that I work on. And right now, most of my time goes into finding bigger customers for telemetry deck because I want this thing to be living for mm -hmm. a while and for that it needs it needs cash flow so yes it makes more sense to right now say okay the feature set is as it is barring small either bug fixes or like small tweaks because coding is just way more fun than uh, <laughs> than other things and yep. so uh every like I, I will still return to the code base often just <laughs> for uh just for my my own sanity um mm -hmm. but yeah it means probably no huge features that being said the um the feature that i've been working on have i told you this i have told you but have i told the show I yeah, do it's, not it's in there some it's in there somewhere like i'm reworking the database to allow for user uh, permissions and stuff like that and that's gonna launch at some point so that's kind of a huge feature but um but yeah it saddens me that development of like cool features is slowing down 
but it's not mm-hmm. it's not gone completely. It's just like the focus is not one hundred percent on build everything up because things are not awesome, but they're fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to make them awesome, but for that, I need a few more customers first. Well, I think the the, the other thing as well, though, Daniel, is I think you've reached a stage with telemetry deck where your horizons different right mm. so you you this thing exists it's got customers it's at a certain stage it's at a certain size um and and the way you're adding to this the way you're building it out now is is i would argue it's, it's kind of becoming seasonal right if you oh, think yeah. of things oh, yeah. if you imagine like the course of a year and i've gotten deep into gardening in the last few months so forgive me the metaphors <laughs> are going to come through to the show right but but um there is something there in terms of you're now at a stage where you're talking about, okay, this is when I'm sowing seeds for new things. This is when I'm harvesting, you know, the, the, the fruits of my labor at that point, right. Mm. To some degree, whatever that, that translates to for telemetry deck. And this is when I'm then, you know, clearing stuff up, sorting things out for the winter. Right. And the metaphor kind of extends to here where it's a case if you're going, Right now, I need to focus on getting the bigger customers through the door to keep this thing alive and to make sure things have got longevity. Um, at some point, you know, that you're going to be going, I've now got these big customers through the door. This has stabilized this and this. I'm now able to support my DevOps part-time person. Maybe they go full-time, whatever that looks like, right? You're going to be in a different position at that point to then turn around and go, right, we've now got this 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 gas in the tank let's go and get some of these smaller items or, oh, yeah, definitely. you know, I've actually got things to a stage where I'm feeling kind of redundant in the process for all these other non-dev things today. That's all in hand. So actually I'm going to, you know, fill my developer boots with um, picking off some of these things and that will happen. Right. I think it's, that's the other thing is to understand it's a, it's a cycle. Right. And so the bit of you that probably gets quite frustrated at times, like, I just want to code, man. Uh, It's getting better. Like I still want to code. I still realize that this is the thing that gives me the most pleasure when working in telemetry deck. Yes. Um, But at the same time, I'm also getting a lot of pleasure out of just using the platform Mm -hmm. for like by showing it to people, by finding out interesting little stats for my good morning messages um, yeah. by just like analyzing how is telemetry deck adoption going using telemetry deck, stuff like that. And just mm-hmm. the pleasure of being like, Hey, I built this and it's actually working. Yeah. That's also, that's also really, really cool. That's something I need to get back to with what I'm doing. Right. Oh, so, yeah. um, and this is something, you know, that I've gone round and round on every now and again, it's like actually making the time to play with my video mm-hmm. app and to, to do the thing that it does. You know, these days I'm not gigging in pubs, clubs, and on stages and things, right? Mm-hmm. So if I do do anything like that, I'll be live streaming, and we'll see. I, I, we're at the beginning of the year right now. I've got a lot of good intentions, um, but I would quite like to to start doing that bit, um, which again will fulfil some of that. Is a sense of like, well, I'll be be getting the pleasure out of the thing I've mm-hmm. built. Um, I can see that. But if you're doing it live streaming, streaming wise, you kind of need a DJ too, right? Or how, maybe, how would you do that? Or it, maybe existing DJ it, sets? It opens up a whole can of worms, right? Because then you're also talking about copyright issues and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff as well. So we'll see. Um, 
I know I can use a service like Mixcloud that handles a bunch of that. And then it's a case of I'll be looking for DJ sets that I want to do the visual accompaniment to and probably DJs that I want to collaborate with for that. So yeah. there's a few barriers and bars there. There's also like, do I want to put together my own set somehow with something and, and kind of become a bit of a DJ as well? And then that comes back around to the time thing that we <laughs> kicked off about, right? So we, we, we'll see, but I do need to be dog fooding my, my apps. I do need to be playing with, with what I'm producing and getting into that world uh, a bit more. And there's a, there's a bunch of things that I, I really want to play with just for the sheer hell of it um, in mm -hmm. terms of um, there's Fediverse orientated video streaming software that could be quite nice to try you know, um, self-hosting some sets and that sort of thing. Um, it, the year is young and I'm definitely feeling a lot of <laughs> the, the uh, a lot of the, 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 the hope and the, the, the big aspirations, I think. Yeah. My uh, TikTok right now is full of, apparently there's a, a movie came out recently called Saltburn. I haven't seen it. I actually didn't even realize it would, it would come out, but it's, it's pretty big on my TikTok homepage or my TikTok um, for you algorithm. And that movie features as a main song somewhere. I don't know where because I haven't seen the movie. It features Perfect by Exceder, which used to be one of my favorite club songs like in the mid-2010s. Yeah, I know it. I know, I know the Brightbeat remix of it that somebody and it did. It is so yeah. good. And so everything, it's, you, should, you, should, you should somehow, I don't know how, but you should somehow capitalize on this because that song is stuck <laughs> in my, my head all day, every day these days anyway. So mm -hmm. I could like, bop, bop along, you know. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe rather than getting all the way down the rabbit hole into full sets and things, maybe I should just be be playing around with the app and putting those bits out short form to places um like you TikTok. very much to that uh we shall we shall see but i, I think um i'm gonna actually link the song that i mean in yeah uh in in the show notes by the way and yeah, it's the version with uh princess superstar which who should get way more um credit actually for that um for that song yeah that's interesting i'm gonna see if it's the version i remember um because i i tend to so know the the bright beat bass music or drum and bass mixes of things more than anything yeah. else. <laughs> um, but but one thing I was going to say, Daniel, before we sort of wrap the show up, is that um, we've been talking a lot about time and about thinking about um, how you balance your time and, and that sort of stuff. And we often do on the show. Um, and one very last bit of a, a, a topic here is that. Um, I went down the rabbit hole again last week with a few things. And, and one thing I'm trying to do at the moment is set up my library so that um, I've got this video pipeline library. I've got this node-based thing, which lets me sort of configure things very nicely. And that's great. Um, what I don't have fully sorted out at the moment is camera input. And anybody who has ever worked with AV Foundation and cameras will be able to tell you there's a, sh a lot. Um, <laughs> you need a beeper. Like we talked about this in the pre-show, you need a beeper. Yeah, I do. I need, I need a swear beeper. But you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> there is a load of um, settings and everything else. And I got bogged down with like, okay, I've got a camera node now. I want to switch between different lenses. I want to have a zoom on here. 
oh, maybe, maybe it's going to be good to have some sort of panning control on it. Um, but then, all that but then as a VJ, do you use the camera loss or is, would that yeah, be yeah, like yeah. A, a secondary thing? It's a secondary thing, but a lot of people use it and it's been requested quite a bit of my, my existing app as well. It doesn't currently have camera input. Um, so I figure like if I get the camera node sorted, I can then proceed with my next task, which is to gut out the original GoVJ app and put this new engine in the middle of it. Camera. And, uh, camera. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'll give me that. And I got hung up on making the perfect camera node. And then mm -hmm. on a few days ago, like last weekend, I sat down and I was like, what am I doing? I'm doing the thing that I always tell other people not to do. I'm like over agonizing about this one thing and I'm stopping myself from getting on with the task at hand and I'm feeling blocked by it. And I sort of took a step back and I'm like, I just need to use the default camera front or back, provide a zoom control, set it to autofocus and move on with life. Right. That yeah. gets it. That doors, <clears throat> excuse me, that does like 80, 90% of the job. Yeah, and then if that feature is used by every single of, of your users and they're screaming for more, then yes. uh, then that's the time when you work work more. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I kind of just wanted to like end on there is like, we talk about time management, we talk <laughs> about the process. Uh, I ended up three levels down in a, in a rabbit hole before I realized I needed to pull myself out of it. You know? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I say, I say, ah, push it, push it. It's perfect. <laughs> well, on that note, Daniel, you have um, exceeded or exceeded <laughs> my uh, pun expectations on the show. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to wrap the show here, Daniel. So fantastic. This, the, this, the order of this might put us out of our usual sequence, but where can people find you? <gasps> Ooh, it's the other way around. Um, fantastic. Okay, cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm absolutely put on the spot. Please, um, if you want to know more about Telemetry Deck, please go to telemetrydeck.com. And if you want to find more about me, I'm mostly on Mastodon uh, at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. What about you, Dave? I am mostly on Mastodon as well, to be fair. I've said before on the show, it's kind of where I live online. Um, you can find me at dave at social.lightbeamapps.com you can also find out more about my apps including this pro landing page on lightbeamapps.com all right then so thanks so much for listening everyone please rate us on the platform that you're listening to listening this to and or itunes send yes. us emails at contact at waitingforreview.com and have a great day dave you too, Daniel. Catch you later. Bye.